0: So I was praying over the readings, the question kept coming to me is mammon. It's, like, it's a weird word. What is mammon? We hear it in the gospel this morning, it says you, there are two things you can serve, either God or mammon. Mammon is like worldly ideologies, things that are contrary to God, the devil, all those things are a kind of mammon. And I think that probably the greatest type of mammon right now in America is fame. Or the desire to be known by people. And something that capitalizes this and makes it even worse is social media. Everybody wants to be important in the eyes of others. Everybody wants to be noticed in the eyes of others. They did a study 50 years ago on with, with little kids that were like five and six year olds, and they asked them what they wanted to be when they grow up. And you got, you know, doctors and lawyers and basketball players and the whole gamut, right? Astronauts. They did this study 10 years ago, and overwhelmingly, 90% answered these kids. They said, What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be famous. <clears throat> I want to be famous. And why? Have you ever noticed that famous people's lives are awful? Like terrible, like their lives are a complete gong show. And, and wh- why do we care so much about them? Why do people care about the Kardashians? Why, what, what about, because they're so messed up? They're not as messed up as we are? We feel good watching them? Because at least I'm not as messed up as them. I don't know, it's, it's, it's strange to me. I, don't, I think it was like 10 years ago, there's a video of Tom Brady, and it's on 60 Minutes. And they're interviewing him, and they're showing how he has all of this money, and he's married to a Victoria's Secret supermodel, and he has four homes, and their mansions, and he has his own private jet, and he's only got three Super Bowl rings at this time. And they're like, Tom, <clears throat> this is it, man. And it's amazing. Tom Brady looks at the, the guy interviewing and he says, you know what? A lot of people would say, like, I got it made. I've reached the top. I'm the best. Me? I look at all of this and say, God, there's got to be more than this. And the interviewer says to him, well, what is it, Tom? And Tom Brady says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And I was like, when I first saw it, I'm like, Tom, you just said it. God, I wish I knew. Tom Brady has everything that the world can offer, and he obviously is not satisfied. He's not happy. I mean, there isn't a person in this church that doesn't know who Tom Brady is, unfortunately. He is the, one of the most famous people. And what do we really think we're going to get from fame, from being noticed and honored in the eyes of us? We're still going to be us. I can be the most famous person in the world. I'm still me, messed up, got all my problems. And in that same video, it's funny he says, but Tom... You're famous. And he said, Yeah, but I didn't think it came with all the baggage. I didn't think it came with all the baggage. What good is fame anyway? What good is anything for that matter? Nothing we do means anything without one thing. And it's in our second reading. St. Paul says, For there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for us. That line rescues humanity from meaninglessness. Stephen Hawking, another very famous person, came out with a book a number of years ago. And he is a brilliant scientist. He is a terrible philosopher. In that book he said, Based on physics, we can prove that there is no God. Now this is a ridiculous statement, because physics deals with the natural order. God, by his very nature, is of the supernatural order. There is no way physics can disprove the existence of God. I told you, he's a bad philosopher. I say that with all respect, because he's a brilliant scientist. And people fall for this. Science is everything. And if this is it, you guys, if this is it, like, matter. It's all there is, this right here, that's it. It's just all matter. I heard a priest friend of mine, he said this line, it's awesome. He said, if all there is is matter, then nothing matters. And how true that is. If, it, if life is just atoms running into atoms and your thoughts aren't even your thoughts, they're just chemical reactions and neurological pathways connecting, then nothing means not anything. Or everything means nothing. Or whatever you know, what I'm saying—that <laughs> if we buy into this science proves every, that we have just bought in to life is meaningless. But if we listen to Paul and we see, we hear the, when he says, "For there is one God," then things matter. Then everything in your life matters, and it matters to him. And how do I know that? Because he did that. He didn't have to do that. And if he did that, you matter. You matter to him. I matter to him. You're not made for fame, popularity. You're made for way more than that. You're made for greatness. You're made for holiness. Leon Bloy, the French author, once wrote, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is to not become a saint. Why? Because that's what we're created to be. On October 13th of this year, not too far away, John Henry Newman is going to be canonized a saint in the Catholic Church. Newman's story, I don't know if you know it, but goes all the way back to England in the 1800s. And he was in this town, small town called Littlemore. He was an Anglican clergyman. He was an ordained Anglican clergyman. And in Littlemore, he came to the understanding, the truth, that the Catholic Church is the one true church. And he knew he had to leave the Anglican Church. Now, I don't know how much you know about John Henry Newman. He is a giant. A giant in the Anglican Church. Probably the smartest mind to ever come out of the Anglican Church. And he became Catholic. So the Anglicans hated him. But the Catholics didn't trust him. Because he was so smart and he was an Anglican for so long. So he was sidelined. This brilliant man, this genius man. He was sidelined. And I heard a story, a priest friend of mine told me that his pastor was very old at the time, went over to Littlemore. And there at the church of St. Mary and St. Nicholas, which is the church that Newman built, the Anglican church, he met the caretaker, who was also a very, very old man. And this old priest said, did you ever meet Newman? And he said, I saw him one time. He said when he was very old, he returned to England. And he returned to Littlemore. And he said, I looked out one day and I saw this old man with white hair blowing in the wind, leaning heavily on the church fence, weeping. What was he crying about? I don't know. Maybe he was weeping because of all the adversity he had experienced in his life. Maybe he was weeping because of the fracture of the church, of the Anglican church and the Catholic Church. Maybe he was weeping because he was thinking maybe I should have just stayed an Anglican because it would have been easier. I don't know what he was thinking but I do know this that in three weeks we are going to call him St. John Henry Newman. And his legacy of education has transformed the world. His book on the development of the university has changed the world. In this life, John Henry Newman, he had a hard life. But saints changed the world. You know Newman centers at colleges? They're named after him. Whether we are known or unknown, famous or live lives of obscurity, we're not made for any of that. We're made for holiness. And any of us can do it. And to not become holy to be swept away in the mammon of the world is the greatest tragedy of human life. One more story, I promised my last one. I like to tell stories. St. Thomas More, you may know him. He was the Lord Chancellor of England and a very, very good man, a churchman. He was second in command, the second most powerful man in England, right under King Henry VIII. And when Henry VIII broke away from the church, because the church would not recognize his marriage because he was already divorced. He wanted Thomas More to come with him, and Thomas refused. He was a man of principle. And Thomas was wealthy beyond wealthy, famous beyond famous. He owned tons of land in England and London. And eventually, Henry put him in prison. But before that, he was so famous. You know, famous people attract other people that want to be famous. And one of the people he attracted, his name was Richard Rich. Gotta love that name. It just sounds evil, doesn't it? Richard Rich. And he said to Richard, because Richard wanted to be big. He wanted to be a, a leader in, the, in England. And he said, Richard, why don't you be a teacher? And Richard said, a teacher? And Thomas said, Richard, you'd be a good teacher. You might even be a great one. And then he said... So what? If I was great, who would know about it? And Thomas More says this. He said, Richard, you would. And your students would. And your family and your friends would. And Richard, God would. It's not a bad audience, Richard. In the end, The desire to be noticed, the desire for fame drove Richard to perjure himself in court at the Thomas More trial. And when he lied, Thomas was convicted and sentenced to death. And as he was walking out of the stand, the witness stand, he walked by Thomas More and Thomas looked at him and now Richard is all in his regalia, because he's a big shot now. And he said, Richard, that chain around your neck that's the chain of whales, isn't it? You're now in charge of whales. And Richard said, Yes, Thomas, it is. And Thomas looked at him and said, Richard, it profits a man nothing to gain the whole world if he loses his soul. But you, Richard, you did it for whales. For whales. My friends, some of you may become very famous. Big shots, you may change the world, you might be rich, and that's fine, but don't sell your soul for it, because you weren't made for it. And some of us, in fact, most of us will be not famous. We will live, as the second reading says, quiet lives of obscurity, loving our family and our children. And that's good too, but it's not what you were made for. Peter Kreeft once wrote, you can become a saint and absolutely no one, and nothing can stop it. It's a free choice, and if you will, look into your own heart and be completely honest, you must admit that there is one and only one reason that you are not a saint. You do not wholly and completely want it. So in the end, the question is this, who will you serve, God or the world? The world will offer you comfort and pleasure and ease, but you weren't made for any of those. You were made to be a saint.